It was the first time in my entire life where I didn't get to January 1st, making all these big empty promises to myself. Because what I had done was created this foundation of healthy habits that by that point came a little bit more naturally. Hey, you guys, it's Harley and it's Wednesday, which means a new episode. Just a reminder, this is my last new episode for the year. There will be an episode next week. It is a repeat. January, the first week of January is going to be a repeat. And then I will be back with new episodes to finish out season three. Today's guest is once again, the lovely Kaya Twisselman Burchett. And we are talking today about uh, gratitude and her a little more in depth about her journey to a healthier self. And she shares some of her best tips as far as goal setting and intentions as we are heading into the new year. I know this is a time where a lot of us try to get our New Year's resolutions in check and all of that. So I just wanted to make sure that we chatted a little bit about being intentional with goal setting. So here is the episode. Let's talk a little bit more about the hard work that you had to put into change because you talk about all this mindset work, um, which is very important, but it wasn't just mindset work. You had to learn how to, I don't want to say properly, uh, mindfully nourish. Yes. You had to mind. That was the word I was looking for was nourish. I was like, nutrate is not right. <laughs> it's not a word. Um, and be mindful of like exercising and where like your line is like, okay, this is pushing too hard and it's harmful. Mm-hmm. Or this isn't pushing hard enough and I'm standing here stretching for 45 minutes and that's not helpful. Sure. So the way that I started it, I had mentioned that I had read Rachel Hollis's book as kind of like, that was my like wake up call. And at the end of 2018, she had launched this thing that she called her last 90 days challenge. And the idea of it was what if instead of throwing the last 90 days of the year, the last quarter of the year away to the holidays, like once Halloween candy hits the grocery store aisles, what if we challenged ourselves to end the year, our strongest. And as part of that challenge, she had five habits that she called the five to thrive. And she said, what if we just for every day for 90 days did five simple habits? And I was like, you know what? Okay. I've tried the whole like fad diet thing crashed and burned plenty of times. What if I just gave this a go and just tried doing five habits just to see what would happen. And the five habits were wake up one hour earlier for yourself, whatever that looks like, use the time for you, um, write down 10 things or five things you're grateful for every single morning, move your body for at least 30 minutes, give up one food that you know, does not bless your body and drink half your body weight in ounces of water each day. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just we're going to give it a go. This seems realistic. It seems like a small enough bite-sized chunks. I'm just going to give it a try. So I started by waking up an hour earlier and I actually used part of that time to exercise, but I used part of it to also start my side hustle, which ended up being my first, um, full-time entrepreneur gig, but I would wake up and I started with dance YouTube dance workouts in my living room because I was like, I don't want to spend a bunch of money on a gym. I haven't proved to myself that I'm even going to use a gym membership yet. How can I do something that's free and also not in front of other people? Because at the time I was so insecure that I did not like the idea of anybody seeing me move my body. So I was like, I can roll out of bed and dance in my living room. Let's start there. So free YouTube dance workouts. I wrote down in my gratitude journal every morning. I did my side hustle in the morning and I started drinking water and I didn't really give, I guess I did give up sodas, um, but I just started 
learning how to listen to my hunger cues more and getting curious about what was going on with me mentally when I had a craving that wasn't hunger based craving. What is it that I'm trying to avoid here? And I really found journaling helpful to get more, um, curious about that, but that's really how I started. And I just started, I had a little tracker, a little habit tracker. And I was like, what would happen if I just did this every single day for 90 days? And after 90 days, I had already lost 25 pounds. And it was the first time in my entire life where I didn't get to January 1st, like making all these big empty promises to myself. Cause what I had done was created this foundation of healthy habits that by that point came a little bit more naturally. And all I had to do was continue with the momentum that I had already built. And that felt like the greatest gift that I'd ever given myself. And yes, it was hard at first, like to establish this habit, but I think by breaking it down into small, small little habits and small bite size, bite-sized chunks, it was amazing. You know, at first I was like, well, what the hell is this going to do? How is this going to change my life? We have this desire for instant gratification, which is why fad diets are so sexy. We're like 20 pounds in a week. Yes. Thank you. That sounds wonderful. But the truth is that lasting transformation doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a month. It happens with small, slow baby steps that can create consistency over time. A lot of times we want to go balls to the wall, right out of the gate. We want to throw away all the sugar, all the carbs. We want to get the gym membership and go really hard. And what happens is we burn out after three weeks. We can't keep up with that consistency. And so the secret isn't to try to transform your life overnight, but the secret is to start with really small steps and build that consistency, because this is the other thing that's magical about small baby steps. The magic is actually just in taking action, any kind of action. I think every time that we show up for ourselves in whatever form that looks like, even if it's drinking an extra glass of water, every time you show up for yourself and take one step, it's like depositing another coin into your self-confidence bank. And so not only was I establishing these healthy habits, but I was also rebuilding trust in myself. I became the kind of person who, if I say I'm going to do something, if I say I'm going to work out and dance for 30 minutes this morning, I showed up and did that. And every time I showed up for myself, I was rebuilding the trust that I had broken for so many years before that. And that was something that was magical and only possible by starting really, really small. We start way too fast. We, we, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a week or a month. And we drastically underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. It was those five habits that get, that got me started. And it is still those five habits that I use for myself still to this day. It's what helped me lose over a hundred pounds. And it is what really helped me start this, this health journey and this self-love journey. And that mindset work started with gratitude. People ask me all the time. They say, if I hate myself and my body, how do I get to a place where I can love myself? And the first step, you can't go from hating yourself to loving yourself overnight. Gosh, I wish that we could, yeah. <laughs> but oftentimes the first step is just neutralizing it. So I had this, instead of say, looking in the mirror and saying, I hate myself and my body, I said, I have a body and just saying, I have a body feels like, well, what is just saying you have a body going to do, but saying I have a body feels a hell of a lot better than saying, I hate my body. And it's one step closer to being able to love it. So you have to start small. If you hate your body right now. Your goal shouldn't be to love it tomorrow. Your goal should be to neutralize it, to neutralize your feelings towards your body. And I think for me, gratitude was a really great way to build those stepping stones to a place where I could look in the mirror and say, I love myself in this body by saying, I'm just so grateful that I have a body that I got out of bed today, that these strong legs allow me to dance in my living room, that these 
arms, even though I don't love them, I'm grateful these arms allow me to embrace my nieces and my fiance and the people that I love the most. And gratitude is the simplest, most life-changing practice that anybody can start implementing. And I think that if you are on a self-love journey, I think that is the best place to start. I know there is, if anyone's like struggling with where to start in gratitude, and maybe it's not like, maybe their issue isn't like they hate their body. Maybe it's something else. There is an app. It's the gratitude journal or the five minute journal. And it will prompt you in the morning, like wake up, what are like three things you're grateful for? And then before you go to bed, what are three good things that happened to you today? And I started doing that when I was at my lowest of low points and going back and like reading through those now, I'm like, it was like the simplest things. I was like, I'm glad that I woke up this morning. I'm glad that I have a roof over my head. I'm glad that I have food in my fridge. Like those were mm-hmm. some of the things that I saw. And I'm like, that was all I felt like I had then. And now I feel like my cup is so much more full of gratitude because I started there making totally. those little changes and totally. noticing those little things. And the beautiful and powerful thing about gratitude is I like to do my gratitude in the morning. I mean, I think it's great no matter what time of day you do it, but I like to do it in the morning because when I start my morning with a grateful heart, and that's where you start with your, your mindset, your brain continues to seek things throughout the day to be grateful for. It's like you're retraining and rewiring your brain by intentionally practicing gratitude. And your brain also wants to prove your thoughts true. And, and your brain Like, I love, I love the thing about the five minute journal and how it asks you, what are three good things that happened today? Because like thinking about like a past vacation that you've been on, if you think about something and there was something terrible that happened on your vacation, your brain is most likely to remember the terrible things, right? That's what sticks out to you the most. But if you are intentional about remembering the good things and talking about it, you are basically training your brain to focus on those positive experiences and those good things. And that is a beautiful thing. And I think that when we get into ruts, I think gratitude is a great place to start, but we can retrain our brain. You know, things grow where energy flows. And the same thing is, is true for where, where you're giving your energy to your thoughts. And if you continue to fixate on the bad things and what you don't have enough of, or all the things that went wrong, those, those areas of your life are going to continue to grow. And so to rewire and retrain our brain, I think gratitude is the easiest place to start and a really gentle place to start, but it is wildly powerful. That's how it always goes. The simplest, smallest things are always the most powerful. Mm -hmm. I think of like friendship a lot like that. It's like the simplest, like kindest gesture will go forever yeah like that's how i met one of my best friends in the whole world like her high school boyfriend had broken up with her the same day my high school boyfriend had broken up with me we were like in the bathroom and she was like you want a tissue to wipe your makeup off your face and it was like one of those just yeah (laughs) and it was someone who i'd known because i went to a really small school right as someone who i'd known my entire life but we were never friends because she was a year older than me mostly Mm -hmm. and from then on she's been like one of my best friends. Like it's like the handing the girl a tampon in the bathroom moment. Yes. Okay. There's just like something special about women's restrooms. I feel like that's where <laughs> friendships are, are grown. I just had a conversation with a girl in a bathroom recently at a concert 
about this. Like there's something so sacred about the women's bathroom. <laughs> there is a specific bar in Reno. It's not there anymore, but it used to be there. And it was like popping back in my college days, but the women's bathroom there, there was always a line. There was always like five or six girls in there and there's four stalls, right? So the stars, stalls were full. There's always five or six other girls in there, but like, that's where you go. If you're trying to get hype, you would come in and they'd be like, Oh my God, your jacket. Oh my God, your shoes. And you'd be like, mm, came in having to pee, leave feeling like a queen. Yes. That is exactly what happened at this concert this last weekend. They, people just throwing out compliments. I love it. I, that's my favorite part about being a drunk girl in a bathroom. Same, same. <laughs> and you also compliment them back, which is good. Oh, 100%. It, comes, it comes from the heart. Um, <laughs> So let's go back a little bit towards like the small steps, the baby goals, the baby chunks. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways I know this is going to come out as we're like heading into the weeks leading up to Christmas and to New Year's for a lot of people that is New Year's resolution time. They're thinking about how they want to start off their 2022. So if you could share some wisdom on how to maybe like successfully set like goals that are attainable over the long term. Absolutely. Okay. The first thing I want to say, if you're listening to this before the new year, I want you to give yourself permission to start today. You know, the new year is a very sexy time. It's like a clean, fresh slate, but guess what? You can start making better choices for your life right now without it being the new year. I just got to make that one little comment. So when I think about how I felt at the beginning of my journey, the way that I like to describe it was it felt like I was standing at the base of this mountain and I was looking up at the very tippy top peak of this mountain thinking there is no way in hell that I can get there. And it can feel this way. If you have any big dream or goal in your heart, I don't care if it's like my goal was, I want to lose hundred pounds. Maybe your goal is you want to start a business or you want to find a relationship or, you know, whatever that big lofty, big dream or goal you have on your heart. When you think about it, it might feel like you are looking up at the peak of a mountain thinking there is no way in hell that I can get up there. And when I think back to beginning my journey, it, it felt not only like I was standing in front of this humongous mountain that was so intimidating, but it also felt like a mountain that was clouded in fog. I had this visualization or realization of this, this picture in my mind when I was out for a run, because we live where I live now is on my aunt and uncle's ranch and we are 10 minutes from the beach. And so the coastal fog is usually there in the morning. It kind of lingers at the base of this mountain. So it's like standing at the base of the mountain, looking up the peak. And also there's all this fog that is hiding the steps. So you're like, great. That's really freaking tall, a huge mountain. There's no way I'm going to make it to the top. And to make it worse, I can't even see how to get there because the fog is clouding it. Right. And usually that would mean, okay, well, I just, I don't know how to do it. I can't get there. I'm just not going to start. And it stops us from taking action for so long. But what we know about the fog is that once you take a step into the fog, you can see just enough to take the next baby step forward, to see just enough to take the next baby step forward. And really friend, that is all that we need. So this is my thing. I say, have the big lofty goal, have the mountaintop goal in your mind. Okay. But I don't want you to focus on that, especially as you start. What I want you to do is I want you to bring your gaze down from the peak of that mountain. And I want you to look at where your feet are planted. Where are you right now today? And I want you to look one baby step ahead of you. What does the one baby step right in front of you look like to get you one step up in front of the mountain, up the mountain? 
We focus so much on how far we have to go or how long it's going to take or how we don't know how to get there that it stops us from even starting. Or we feel like the next baby step that we take isn't going to be enough to make a difference. So we stop moving and going. But if you just keep bringing your gaze down and focusing on the one step in front of you, eventually you might look up and look back behind you thinking, holy crap, I think I just climbed a freaking mountain because it doesn't happen with leaps and bounds. If you were to sprint from the base of the mountain, you would get way too tired before you even reach the top. And the secret is the small baby steps. So this is what I like to do in my community. I like to do a little mind map. Okay. I want you to like write, like, I want you to make a little web. Okay. And I want you to ask, what are my lifetime goals? Like, I want you to dream as big as possible without limitations for your future. What is your dream life in the future? And then I want you to ask yourself, okay, that's, that's the dream life. Well, what does three years from now look like? Okay, great. What does a year from now look like? Awesome. Okay. What does one m- month from now look like? I want you to, to take those big dreams, have them, but the way that we make them a little easier is by breaking them into smaller goals, by bringing our gaze a little bit closer to our feet for today. So if your dream is that you want to run a marathon, guess what? You're not going to go and run 26 miles tomorrow, right? Maybe your first step is buying a pair of running shoes. Okay. Maybe that's your baby step today. Maybe your baby step today is just researching running shoes. Okay. How can we chunk it down into small actionable steps that we can start today? And I think the really important thing here too, is to not get distracted by what other people are doing. We say in my community all the time, my race, my pace because it's so easy to be like, well, look at how far she is. Look at how far they're going. I should be further by now, but this isn't anybody else's pace. This is the race. This is your race. This is your path. And all you can do is honor that and what your baby step looks like moving forward. I'm, I'm a huge dreamer, huge dreamer. And I encourage dreamers to continue to dream, but I want you to decide what is the one thing. What's the one dream when you think of your dreams that is the most important to you. Someone shared a visual once of like, imagine that you are on a soccer field. Okay. And you're, let's say you're just, I don't, is it called what's the midway point of a soccer field call? I don't know. No one, it doesn't matter. Sorry, soccer fans. We don't know. So let's say you're in the middle of the field. Okay. And there's six balls, six soccer balls. Okay. And each one of these balls represents a different goal that you have in your life. Okay. And you get to kick six times. Okay. You have six balls in front of you and you get to kick six times. Would it make more sense to kick each soccer ball once and inch them down the field just a little bit, or would it make more sense to kick one soccer ball six times and make a goal? I am a multi-passionate person. So I have like 25 projects that I have in my brain all at one time, but I recognize that in order for me to make real progress, I have to prioritize and pick one thing to give my time and energy to. So have your dreams, have six dreams, have 27 dreams. That's fine. But in order to make real progress, I want you to decide what is the one dream that is going to move the needle most in my life right now that I want to focus on. And I want you to focus on that one thing first. And I want you to see the big picture, see the mountaintop, but I want you to bring your gaze back down and ask, what does the baby step look like for me today? And once you take that step, don't forget this step. I want you to celebrate the crap out of yourself because if we keep having the narrative of, Oh, I I didn't do enough today, or this doesn't really matter, or this isn't really getting me that much closer. 
you are totally working against yourself. We have to got, we've got to learn to celebrate every single baby step forward, give ourselves a pat on the back. Cause that is what's going to keep us going. What are some of the things you did to like celebrate yourself? First, the first thing that it is, is about how we talk to ourselves, right? Like what is the story that you're saying to yourself? Cause it's so easy to tear ourselves down and focus on all the things we didn't do first, instead of celebrating what we're doing today. So for me, it was, I'm really proud of myself for getting out of bed and moving my body today. Like first thing is just recognizing the way that I'm speaking to myself. Another thing that is helpful because there is something so gratifying about checking something off a list is I actually have a habit tracker. And when I'm working on a new goal or a new habit, I write it down. And each day that I do it, I check it off like a checkbox. And there is something so gratifying about checking something off the list and visually seeing it that is a reward in itself. So that's another way that you can reward yourself just with checking something off the list. I think the other thing that's helpful to you is to create milestones for yourself, milestones that you can use to celebrate. And there's lots of different ways that we can celebrate ourselves. As long as you make sure that the things you're using to celebrate or reward yourself aren't actually sabotaging your progress on it. For example, people that are trying to like, you know, mindfully nourish their bodies. They're like, Oh my gosh, I was good all week. I'm going to eat this whole tub of ice cream. Like, no, that reward is not supporting you and your goals. So instead, how can you reward yourself with your consistency in other ways? The reward number one is the feeling of knowing that you're honoring yourself and taking a baby step forward. Another reward could be, um, like, Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of how I showed up for myself this week. I'm going to treat myself by buying that book. I've been really wanting to buy or taking myself for a beautiful walk on that scenic trail that I love so much or whatever that looks like for you, right? All of our rewards are going to look differently. But the first thing is how you speak to yourself. Like I love bringing it back to the toddler conversation. Hardly, hardly. Like, <laughs> like if your little kiddo is trying to be potty trained and they pottied in the bathroom for the first time, they didn't do it perfectly. Maybe they spilled a little, are you going to shame them? No, you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, honey, look, you mostly peed in the potty. That's wonderful. Like, how can we also celebrate our little toddler selves for us showing up as well? Yeah. Learning to celebrate like the small wins is important, but it's also incredible because then you start getting excited about the next step. You're like, Oh my gosh, I did this. I crushed it. What's next. Tell me more. (laughs) Yes. And I also think that, um, Oh my gosh, wait, I totally just had a brain fart. (laughs) That's my life. (laughs) I love it. I, um, Oh my gosh. I don't know. It's gone. It just gave me now. Well, since it's gone, I would like to, and this is way off topic, but I thought it was very cute. Um, can we talk about you being a singer? Oh my gosh. Yes. Because you wanted to be a singer too, right? I did. So when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be, um, a rock star princess veterinarian. And that was going to be my job title. I had big goals. Wait, I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I thought my life was going to be. And my dad, my dad broke my dream because he was like, you're going to have to like marry someone who's already a prince because you don't just make yourself a princess. And I was like, he gave me like a real reality check, like in a very loving way. Like he wasn't like, you can't be a princess, but he was like, so, um, there's this thing you need to know about being a princess. 
<laughs> details, details, dad, come yeah. on. I, I broke myself with the room of wanting to be a veterinarian once I got into college, but um, you're like, mm, do I want to commit to that much school? Maybe not. It was less about the amount of school because I'm a lifelong learner. I consume any educational media I can get my hands on more about, I'm not real good at biology. Like I flunked biology in high school almost twice. So I did not take it in college. I did it astronomy class instead. So I'm probably not going to be a vet. Girl, I feel that I thought I wanted to be a nurse when I was in high school. And so I went like undeclared biological sciences at Davis and then I took a chemistry class. Yeah. That crushed that dream real fast because that's not my strength, <laughs> but growing up, I, I loved Kim. What'd you say? I loved Kim. That was like the thing I was good at biology and physics. You could not like, yeah. See, I learned really quick that my strength, and I think that it's a little bit genetic. I'm a really good bullshitter. Um, I just really thrive when it comes to writing essays, like writing and sociology, psychology. I mean, I guess it makes sense for what I do now. Um, that's my jam, man. I just, I'm a good talker, I guess. <laughs> I excel at spreadsheets and data. Mm. I was talking to somebody the other day. I don't remember who it was, but they posted about how like Excel spreadsheets were going to be the death of them. And I was like, you can send them to me. I'll fix them. I'll make them pretty. I love Wait, data. now that I know that Harley, I might have to, um, you might be getting a message from me next time I need some spreadsheet support. <laughs> That's fine. I literally love spreadsheets. One of my friends who runs a business and this is no way claiming that it's going to be accurate. We won't know until like the end of December, how accurate it was, but she was like, I've had so much growth in my business in the last year. I don't know what to anticipate for holidays. She's like really stressed out about it. And I was like, you want to give me your Etsy data and I can try to come up with something that will help you. And she was like, okay, like three hours later, I was supposed to be editing a podcast episode, but instead I got balls deep in this data. And like three hours later, I sent her like a little screenshot of, I sent her the link to the whole spreadsheet. I sent her a screenshot with like three cell circles. Like this is, I think, Somewhere in this range is what you're looking for. I was like, hopefully that helps. Oh my god! So we'll find out. We'll find out if it helps, and then I'll be advertising my um, spreadsheet support. Yeah. Services. Yes. It'll go under Polish company. The photography business is under it. The podcast is under it. I can also do Excel. Beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) I love that. Um, We totally got off subject. We were talking about singing, right? Yes, we were talking about being rock stars, right? Listen, I mean, I'm mostly giving up hope, but not entirely. There's still a little glimmer, but growing up, I really wanted to be a singer and I would use my hairbrush, obviously as a pretend microphone. And I would stand in front of the mirror in our hallway. And when I say hallway, I grew up in a double wide shout out to all my double wide peeps. And our hallway was really just like where three doors intersected. Like I don't even know if it's technically a hallway. Um, and I would sit in front of this mirror. And I would sing so loudly into my microphone, (laughs) my microphone hairbrush at the top of my lungs. And I was like, I'm in the hallway doing my own thing. Meanwhile, the living room is like literally two feet from the hallway. And my entire family is trying to watch a show or a movie or something on TV. And they're like, Kaya, shut up. Like, meanwhile, I'm just trying to live my best life as a future singer over here, trying to practice. And no one is taking it as seriously as I am. And you couldn't go into one of the other rooms because you needed the mirror that was in the hallway. Obviously, right? People just did not respect my art at the time. And 
we talked about this earlier, but, um, so that was when I was younger, my dad, he kind of shot me down. He's like, honey, I don't think you're as good as you think you are. And I was like, listen, you just obviously don't have the right ear for it. <laughs> I had but, the same conversation many times. Don't oh worry. Oh my gosh. I love it. I still am convinced I'm good sometimes certain notes. Yeah. Maybe not my, my calling, but anyways, but then in high school, I was still kind of holding on to this dream. Like maybe I won't be the singer, but maybe I'll be a songwriter. I was really inspired by Taylor Swift's first album. I was like, listen, she wrote her songs when she was in math class. Like maybe this is my story too. And so I would write these moody songs that I'm sure like they're still in a binder in the back of my closet at my parents' house. And I am terrified to go back and read them because I cannot imagine they're very good. (laughs) Can you know how... (laughs) Okay. Do you know how on late night Jimmy Fallon reads thank you notes out loud? Yes. Yes. Can you do that? But like <gasps> with your high school written songs as like a much like someone who's older now, it's like a little less embarrassing. Little I just thought that would be really I'm fun. Like, I honestly just got the chills thinking about how embarrassed I already am. Who knows? <laughs> maybe there's a maybe there is a gem in there. For all I know, I mean, I, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Listen, I'm not going to promise that, but that would be hilarious or to like, go ahead and like record the song and like do a nice, like dramatic parody music video of it. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. You know how you're putting together this conference? Yes. (laughs) When I come visit for the conference, I'll film it. Oh my God. Perfect. Harley. We're, I think that this is, this is gonna be our moment. We're going to be able to like live our dreams finally. Yes. I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm ready. Oh my God. <laughs> so far, I'm not a singer songwriter, but it sounds like it could be in our future. I love this plan, but I am very proud of myself for still finding my way to the stage with a microphone. I'm just not singing, thankfully, for the crowd. And I'm speaking now, which is super cool and unexpected. And I love it so much. Yeah. You've got, you spoke at a massive event here. Yes. I spoke at Rachel Hollis's rise conference, which was just like the coolest full circle moment for me. I felt I, very fancy too. I had like the Britney Spears microphone, like huge led screen behind me. I was like, this is the big leagues, man. I had like just started following you. Like I think earlier that week and I was like, she's going to be in Austin. I was like, don't fucking say anything. That is so creepy to be like, I live here. Let me, let's get dinner. Like don't fucking do that. That's weird. Oh, I um, wouldn't have been creeped out. <laughs> I, I give you permission to do that anytime. Now I know that about you, <laughs> but yeah, so I saw that and that is so cool. And you've got a bunch of events coming up that are big events. I saw one in Reno. So my Reno heart was like, oh, you're going to be nice. there. I know a couple of the other people that are going to be there speaking. So it's going to be very exciting. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm, I've been doing a lot of speaking at, um, ag events, specifically like women in ag events, which has been so cool. And just like a beautiful way for me to, again, like marry my love of coaching and personal development with the ag community. And so I'm super excited about that. I've got some stuff booked out for 2020 and I just, I've been really, I just love it. I love, I mean, public speaking used to scare the crap out of me, but I just feed off of the energy that I get in a crowd. I mean, I still get a little nervous, but I really am enjoying it. So I've discovered, I actually don't mind it as much as I used to. I feel like I'm going to throw up before I go on stage and then I get on stage and perform, like whether it's speaking, performing, because I did competitive cheer for a long time. Cool. Um, I black out during whatever it is. don't remember any of it, but it always turns out well. So Relatable. Okay. That's <laughs> so Brent was at the conference with me in, um, 
in Austin and bless his heart. He sat through two full days of that women's conference, such a gem Good for him. I know. And he took all my like behind the scenes pictures and stuff. He's, he's a wonderful husband. I really need to give him a shout out. But, um, when we were there afterwards, I was like, so how did I do? I'm like, I think I did good, but honestly, I just kind of blacked out up there. And he's like, babe, you did great. You did great. And I like watched it back. I'm like, man, I did do really good, but I don't remember saying any of this. <laughs> You're like, I know I was supposed to, cause I like have the cue cards, right. but right. Do you, okay. Yeah. Do you speak with note cards when you speak? I, at I do not speak with note cards. Um, I will say at that conference, not always, but a lot of times I'll have slides, um, so at that conference, I had like a, some slides that I, you know, worked through for visuals and that kind of helps prompt certain things, but no, I don't use cue cards. Um, usually I just kind of, I think what helps me is imagining my, imagining my keynote and chunking it down into stories because I know the stories and I could just tell the stories off the cuff. So as long as I remember the order of the the stories I want to tell, I can just kind of trust myself to get in the zone and, and tell it and just, you know, trust myself to deliver. I will say something that's helped me so much as a public speaker. Cause I think the thing that we stress out the most is when our ego gets in the way, we're like worried, we're going to say the wrong thing. We're worried. We're going to trip on stage that we're going to be sweating through our outfits. That someone's going to judge us, or we're going to do something really embarrassing. It's always about like, what are they going to think about me? That makes me nervous. And so before I get on stage, I always give myself a pep talk and I usually do it in a bathroom mirror, or like if there's a dressing room in the mirror in the dressing room, and it'll be a pep talk of like, what is the, what is my purpose today? And I just remind myself, like my goal today is to help empower just one woman in this room. And if I can help one woman learn to love herself, believe in herself, um, learn or have the, you know, be empowered to take the next step forward. Then that is, that is my only goal. If I touch the lives of one person today, then it will have been a job well done. And when I remind myself of that purpose, and when I remember that I'm in that room for other people it completely puts me at ease. And even before I went on the Kelly Clarkson show earlier this year, I was stressing out about like, I was sweating through my dress. I was like pitted out and I was like, Oh my God, I'm sweating on national TV. And then I gave myself a pep talk and I'm like, you know what, Kaya, if you do sweat through your dress on national TV, you are just going to help another woman out there who struggles with sweat marks, feel a little bit better about herself. And that will be all worth it. And when I do that, I completely am just at peace with whatever happens. Even if I were to fall on my face on camera, like I'd be at so much more peace with it. When I remember what the whole purpose is of me being on stage in the first place, which isn't to look good, but to empower someone that's watching or listening. You know what? If Taylor Swift can fall on her ass in an arena full of people, you can do it on television. Hell yes. Put that on a, on a, on a (laughs) t-shirt. If it, listen, if the t-shirt says Taylor Swift, I'll wear it. I love it. I'm, I'm like, not even Loki. I'm like high key, the biggest Taylor Swift fan. So So how are you right now with this new release then? Oh my God. I've been through so many emotions. So the morning that it came out, big emotions, big emotions, Harley. (laughs) I literally, okay, the morning it came out, I literally Snapchatted Josiah. He was away for work. I was like, hey, so we're going to have to break up because Taylor Swift, we released Red today and I need to get in my feelings for it. You know what he said back? What? He was, okay, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. He's like, I know where I stand in this relationship. I was like, well, that's rude. <laughs> no, um, it's good. And I don't think it's good just because I'm a fan of hers and I'm excited that she's re-releasing her work. Mm-hmm. But I also think she's doing something really, really important for the ownership of art, which is a whole 
completely separate conversation that I have a lot of feelings about as a creator myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that when you're 15 or 16 and you're entering into a contract that's going to last 10 to 12 years, you yeah. maybe don't grasp what everything in that contract means the same way you don't understand what it's like to own your own home right. or be financially responsible for a family. But then you get to be 25 or 26 and you have a much better understanding of how those things work. And me looking back at about the same age as she was when uh, she's four years older than I am. She's turned 32 this year. Mm-hmm. And looking back, and if I wasn't able to own my art from its conception, I would be devastated. Oh, for sure. For and sure. I can only imagine what that feels like for someone on the scale of success that she's had. And I think it's really important for art ownership and contract, like artist contracts, um, what she's doing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I'm a big fan of her, like of her music. Yes. But I'm also a really big fan of what she is saying about the value of ownership with her music. Totally. Totally. But no, I'm not okay. <laughs> but no, I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not. Circle back around with the question. I'm, I'm unwell. Um, <laughs> Red is my favorite album. It's been my favorite album since it came out 10 years ago. And so this is the one I was most excited for. And I didn't think it was coming second. So. So good. So good. Perfect. Well, if somebody was listening and they decided like this conversation is their wake up call and they said, I want to be healthier and get my mind right and all that. What would your advice to them be? Ooh, okay. My advice to you would be if you're, if you're wanting to do this mindset work and you're wanting to rebuild your relationship with yourself from the inside out, the first thing I would say is to start with gratitude. I know I mentioned it earlier in our episode, but I believe that gratitude is a very powerful tool. And even if that is writing down five bullet points of things you're grateful for today, I think it's a beautiful place to start. My best advice would be to start with the baby steps and ask yourself, what is one thing that I can do for myself today, tomorrow, and the next day with consistency to start not only building a healthy, healthy habit, but to also rebuild your trust with yourself, but pick one thing. I think that we get in our own way when we try to do so much all at once and we try to do a lot of things because we want to see really fast progress, but I want you to pick one thing to do for yourself. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's drinking an extra glass of water. Maybe it's meditating. You get to decide what that looks like for you, but pick one thing and start showing up for yourself and see how you feel after a month. Cause I have a feeling it could change your life. I love that. That is such good advice. And it's been echoing what or it echoes what you've been saying this entire episode. So, um, if nope, not that question yet. Um, (laughs) what of all of the things that you've done professionally, personally, et cetera, what are you the most proud of? Oh, that is a great question. I am most proud of myself for trying again. I think that we can let failure and mistakes hold us back in a really, really big way. And instead of seeing failures as an event, which is what they are, they're just an event. I think a lot of us make failure an identity. And I think I did that for a really long time as it pertained to my health journey. 
and I had just given up hope in a big way. And I'm very proud of myself for trying again and taking the next step forward because, you know, I think I have mixed emotions now about before and after pictures, but I recognize that people love them, right? They love to see this dramatic change. And I never, ever will look back at the before me, you know, I don't even like calling her the before me, but the person who I was on day one of this journey, I will never look at her with judgment. And especially now having built my relationship with myself to be so strong as it is now, I look back and all I have is so much love and appreciation for her. And I am so gosh, darn proud of that version of me, the version of me who was at a low point at a rock bottom, who decided to take that first step because that is the hardest step. And had it not been for her, that version of me and her willingness to be scared out of her mind, to be so full of self-doubt, so full of shame and judgment that she still had to work through, but to show up for herself, gosh, I am just, I have so much love for that version of me. So I'm very proud of myself for trying again. Well, I'm very proud of you too. Like I love hearing about it. And I'm also very proud of the way or very grateful maybe for the way that you talk about your quote before self like when you share pictures and stuff like that it's never like this is who i was before it's always like here was me before i started loving myself and here's what that felt like you're never like i was overweight and i hated myself it was always like i didn't love who i was yeah you're always very like gentle with Thank you. I appreciate that because like I said, I have mixed emotions about before and after pictures. And when I do share them, which is more infrequent now, I always want to be really intentional with the way that I speak about it, because I think there's so much harm in like a lot of the diet culture stuff with before and after pictures. Um, but I, because this is the thing I don't want, I don't want to ever look at like, Oh, that's me now, you know, like you should be so proud of the version you are now. And I just didn't know how to be proud of myself at the time. And that's what's changed the most. And I think your, like your journey, all of it reflects that you made healthier choices and what you look like now reflects that, but that doesn't mean that the person who you were before or what you look like before was bad. Right. It's just different. Right. Um, okay. And then if someone wants to join your community or follow along with you or listen to your podcast or attend one of your speaking events, where can they find you to do that? Yes. So for all the things you can go to coachkaya.com. Kaya is K I A H. You can find out more about my own podcast. My podcast is called climbing with coach Kaya. Um, you can find more about my speaking and my membership community. I have an online membership community called climb, which is kind of because of that mountain story that I shared. Um, and it opens up once a quarter and it is a community of kick-ass women that are all working to create a healthy life. They love from the inside out, really learning how to do this mindset work. And it's, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but it is a wonderful place full of, um, just a community of women who get it, who are walking this journey with you. And I think that we are so much stronger together and I just cherish so much. So if you want to work with me as a coach, that's how you would do that. I'm also on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as coach Kaya. My favorite, I guess I'm on TikTok too, but my favorite platform is Instagram for sure. And listeners, if you are not following Kaya on Instagram, you should, like if there's anybody from this podcast that you're like, "Mm, should I follow them? Follow her. 
because like I I don't know if we were recording it, but I mentioned like you just like radiate. Oh, right? you're one of those people like even after this conversation, I'm like, I don't want to stop the conversation. I don't want to hit like stop on the recording. It's been two hours. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please feel free to connect with me on social media. It's at Ranch Collective Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. See you next week.